chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Psalm 27. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may arise against me, in this shall I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek it, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a high rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle, and I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Oh, hear the Lord when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. And when you have said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And do not hide your face from me, nor turn, uh, do not turn your servant away in your anger. And you have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. And when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth path because of my enemy. And do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. And I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And we do, Lord, pray for those in the body, Lord, who are ill. We pray for those, Lord, Uh, In Mexico, just had an earthquake that, Lord, your word would be declared there and comfort would be brought to those hurting. And, Lord, in our own nation, we continue to just lift up the name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that you bless our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a very famous psalm, Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Uh, as we continue, especially in these four that we're looking at tonight, you continue to hear the heart of David in his trials and in his troubles, and I know no one has those trials and troubles, right? Everything's hunky-dory. Don't you love that you can always go to the Bible no matter where you are? And this is specific. This is why I encourage you in your daily reading of the Bible to go to the Proverbs and the Psalms because they are always a comfort to us, no matter what is happening in your life. Amen? So, the Lord is my light. Notice is is translated. So, it's the Lord my light and my salvation. Remember, they don't have light bulbs back then, right? All they got is a little lamp. 
And for the Lord to be the light, it means that he alone pierces the darkness. And we'll see, as David said, and he makes those paths straight. Men love darkness, Jesus said. And here David says, the Lord, my light and my salvation. So if the Lord is illuminating that which is potentially a danger in your life, but he is also your salvation, then listen to what David says next. If he is helping you in the darkness and at the end of your life you will be with him, what can you say? Whom shall I fear? What's the big deal? I'm thinking about these long pauses Pastor Chuck used to do. <laughs> and the older I get, I'm thinking, it, it, sometimes the brain isn't catching up to my speech here. Come on, work a little faster, Mr. Squirrel. <laughs> there he goes. In the days in which we live in, right, everybody is afraid of everything. Politicians are afraid of losing control over the people, right? Countries and nations and dictators and corporations, they don't want you. Apple does not want you not to buy a new fund. There's fear of everything all around. But for the life of a believer, it cannot be like that. The testimony that we have is, bring it on. Whom shall I fear? Isn't that a great way to live? That isn't being dumb and walking in front of a bus, right? It's just simply having the knowledge that I don't have to worry about what Joe Q. Citizen worries about on planet Earth. That is refreshing. How many of you go to sleep each night? Like, put your, either I'm going to die now, or I'm going to wake up, have another day, and I'm going to hear the rapture. I, I don't worry about the things that mankind worries about. Whom shall I fear? Notice, then, the Lord is the strength of my life. David was able to say that because here is a guy who has been on the run for about 20-some years of his life. And he depended on the Lord in the wilderness for everything. He said, the Lord is the strength of my life. Well, then, whom shall I be afraid? If God's got it, <laughs> if God's got the wheel, Stop trying to do the driver's training thing. You know, remember at the driver's training, the driver's on, driver trainer's on the other side sitting in the passenger, very stressed out, those poor people. They really should be paid higher than anybody else. They've had a couple of my kids. But, you know, uh, when I was in driver's training, boy, was that a long time ago. Does, does anybody remember the 70s films they used to show us of the crap... I'm just going to leave it there. We were in this trailer, and we had early morning, and we had to go in there, and it was a week, and then the, the teacher who never wanted to be there anyway but was assigned by the district to be the driver's training, it was like, you lost a bet. But back then, they had a wheel and a brake pedal in the car, and he would, from time to time, jerk that wheel because he just didn't want to die that day. Or hit the pedal, yes? Well, we, we say, Lord, take the wheel. You're in the driver's seat. But we want to always make sure we've got that pedal and that wheel just in case we don't like what Jesus is doing. 
He says in verse 2, When the wicked come against me, notice when, not if, the wicked will come against us. We're going to see in a minute, there are going to be fights, there's going to be wars. This is stuff that is going to happen to us. Now, when the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumble and they fell. The Lord took care of the situation in David's life and in our life. Notice, though an army may, uh, may encamp around me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may arise against me, I will be confident. Now, these things are going to happen in our life. How we deal with them. How do we deal with the job lost? How do we deal with... Listen, a lot of believers right now are dealing with things that a lot of, a lot of believers through the centuries have already dealt with, and yet we live in, a, in America where we really haven't had to deal with some of those things. And now people are losing jobs, and they're losing this and that, and they're being canceled, and they're, all of this stuff is happening to them, and they're wondering, Lord, ha- have I done something wrong? No, you're just now finally in the body of Christ. For the last 2,000 years, everybody has gone through issues as well. There's going to be armies around you, and there's going to be war around you. But notice what David says. When he, when he goes through those four verses, he says, but one thing I desire. If you were going to say one thing I desire of the Lord, what would it be? Don't look at the verse. <laughs> would you be able to say the same thing as David? Now, that's not a rebuke of anybody, but listen to David. He says, one thing I've desired that I will seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, um, the, the, the word house there can mean tabernacle, it can mean tent. The idea is wherever God is, that's where I want to be. That's, that, that's all that means. So, let's read it that way. One thing I have, I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I might dwell wherever he is all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord and an inquire of his temple. I just want to be around the Lord. Now, last week he said he wanted to be in the house of the Lord. Tonight we have a couple of new songs, but a new one at the end tonight's by Crowder. It's in the house of the Lord. You're going to be blessed. We keep coming back to this theme here at Calvary in the last couple of weeks, haven't we? To be in the house of the Lord. How blessed it is to be around God's people. He says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. And in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. And he shall set me upon a high rock. Remember, uh, the fortresses were everything. To walled cities were everything. And to be up in a fortress on a high plateau was even better. He said, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies, all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Guys, why do we sing? It's because of what he has done. 
Isn't it amazing that you don't have to do anything to get yourself into heaven? Aside from accepting the free gift. On Sunday, when we were talking about the marriage feast, right? And we were talking about the bride and the groom and the covenant. What do you have to do? Accept the cup. That's it. You accept the cup. And now the promises that God has given to us in the Bible are yea and amen, and now they apply to us. He says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. I'd like you to highlight that word joy. David really liked being around God's people, and he really liked being around the Lord. Have you noticed that? And he talks about it all the time. I think it may have been because he was so far away from Jerusalem for so long. He was out in the wilderness. It's like coming to Calvary Chapel uh, and getting verse-by-verse teaching and then moving to a city where you couldn't find one. And you're like, man, I missed that. I miss being filled each week by God's word. You get hungry for it. And David finally got to the place in his life where he realized, hey, I just am so happy when I'm around God and I'm around his people. He said, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. And when you said, seek my face. Now, this is interesting to me. It would seem that David heard the voice of the Lord saying, seek my face. And David responds in his heart, your face, Lord, I will seek. How precious is it that David's relationship with God is such that he can hear from the Lord? It's hard to hear from the Lord in the the world in which we live, and it's so loud. It's so busy. Uh. And there, there just needs to be time in our life that we can just turn things off and be quiet. I have to say, I am very blessed. I get, I get to come down here during the week, and for the most part, if Tom or Bill are not bothering me, it's quiet here. And I can just sit and hear from the Lord and read his word. It's an opportunity to just be quiet. We have a sign at camp that says, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you just turned off Fox News or turned off whatever? I I know this is shocking, but your phone and your iPad and your TV, they all have off buttons. I know Apple hides them. Like on my new iPad, I have to do this button and this button and put this leg over here. But they do turn off. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. And he said, seek my face. And David replies, yes, Lord, I will seek you. He says, do not hide your face from me and do not turn your servant away in anger. So when he says, do not hide your face, don't turn your countenance, don't turn the relationship that we have together away. Don't hide from me. And you have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. And when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Listen, I don't know where you are, and um, 
Again, I was just reflecting yesterday on Calvary's history and Pastor Chuck and Kay and all that they did for a generation in this country that really doesn't realize what they did. And I love that. And they never wanted the glory. They always gave it to God. But they took care of so many people who didn't have family. You see, those hippies were dirty and grungy. And they took them in. And they fed them. And they gave them a shower. And they brought them to church and they shared with them. You see, so many people are going through so many different things. And maybe tonight you are in the position of verse 10. That someone in your family has forsaken you. Maybe it's somebody close like your mother and father. Maybe your earthly father has ruined your idea of your heavenly father. I was watching a documentary that we're going to be showing up at the camp about this very topic. How when people are injured um, emotionally or physically from their earthly family, specifically their father, it usually takes them decades to remove that from their idea and their heart about their heavenly father. Because they transfer that over to the heavenly father. And they say, well, I, I guess God then is angry with me. God is ashamed of me. And God loves you so much. I heard it said this week that when we are in our situations in life, in our bondage, in our addictions, in the prison of life where you're shackled, that's why I love all these songs that say break the shackles. But in that prison, it is Jesus that is with you wearing the prison garb as well. But this is what he says. The door is always open. You can leave anytime. You see, we think in the situation that we are in that the door is locked. The door is never locked. That's the lie of the enemy. By the blood of Jesus, you can walk out of the door. And Jesus is there with us, not condemning us, but loving us. Oh, how he loves us. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. In our human relationships, this is the role of the body of Christ, to come alongside and to help. Notice what David says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in this smooth path because of my enemy. David just wanted to hear from the Lord. But think about these psalms that he has written. It's like he doesn't need to be taught from the Lord. This, guy's, this guy is smart. It's like Paul. Don't deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me such as breathe out violence. We all know what it's like to be stabbed in the back. We all know what it's like to have people malign us. We all know what it's like to be wounded in the church. Amen? Have you been wounded in the church? <laughs> you haven't been around long enough. Someone will offend you in the church, and they will say something stupid to you. 
What do we do with that? How do we react to that? Do we blame God for that? Or we just say, that's a human being under construction. I'm going to pray for you. Bless your heart. Because that's a southern way. (laughs) What do we do when we're offended? I tell you this all the time. I'm an equal opportunity offender. Amen? At some point, you will be offended at something I say. But is it me or is it God's word? What are you offended with? Maybe you should say something like, wow, Lord, that hurt, but let me chew on that. Maybe that's from you. I've had that happen in my own life where someone said something to me, and after a while of calming down, did you calm down? You went, Lord, maybe they're right. Maybe that person is <laughs> saying, it's hard to hear. Anybody like correction? <laughs> no one likes that. And yet the Lord uses that. He said, I would have lost heart. You can hear David. I would have quit, David said, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, I would have given up, but he didn't, did he? When you see somebody in the body of Christ wanting to give up, you've got to come come alongside them, love them, hug them. Say, what can I do to help you this week? What can I do to help you next week, the week after? When somebody loses a spouse, let me encourage you on something. Everybody will talk to them in the first couple of weeks. Talk to them a month after, six months, a year. Come alongside them when everyone else is left. That's the comfort that we need to do in the body of Christ. But David says that I would have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so then in verse 14, he says, wait on the Lord. This is probably the hardest thing that we do as a believer. Anybody like waiting? Probably in the 1800s, it would have been okay. Like, it's going to take a while for my beef jerky anyway. You know, they didn't have that fast beef jerky store in the 1800s. You got to wait. Now we got Burger King. We've got everything. Now they bring food to your home. We have lost our mind. Now they're going to bring it by drones. How lazy have we become in this nation? COVID has made us totally lazy. I agree. I want my food now. I want it hot. I want it crispy. I want it whatever. I want it. Burger King ruined us. They said we could have it our way. That's a lie from the enemy. You can't have it. And it never looks like it is on TV. Oh, that Whopper look lie. What does that have to do with this? Nothing. Just wait on the Lord. No one likes to wait. What if you were Abraham when he told Abraham, hey, you're going to have a kid. Great. It's going to be the sands of the sea. Wonderful. I'll see you in 25 years. That's what Abraham had to go through. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Don't waver during the times when he tells you to wait. I love Abraham. He's like David. He's a great man of God, really dumb things. 
and yet really a man of God. Be of good courage. What would happen if he just said at, tw- at 24 years? I've had it. This God that I haven't heard from in 25 years, can you do the last thing that God told you to do and, and be okay with that and never hear another word from him? Isn't that hard? But you have his word, don't you? So we hear from him in different ways that Abraham did not. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Okay, Psalm 28. I thought I was going to go a lot quicker. Psalm 28. A Psalm of David. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you and when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. And do not take away, I'm sorry, do not take me away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors but evil in their heart. Give them according to their deeds and according to their wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the works of their hands. Render to them what they deserve. And because they do not regard the works of the Lord nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helpful. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with the song I praise him. The Lord is the strength, and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. So, again, through these psalms that we hear David, especially in the wilderness, you can hear him. He is wholly dependent upon the Lord, and he says, I will cry out to you, the Lord my rock, and do not be silent. I wanted to ask you this because I was thinking this very thing. Can you say that like David? Don't be silent, but yet you hear the Lord silent in your life. Look, be real. You're in church. You can't lie. You get frustrated that you haven't heard from the Lord, and I've prayed for this direction, and I've I've asked the Lord to, to heal me of whatever, and I don't hear anything it's silence from heaven again what was the last thing you heard from God do that so we can hear David's heart when he says do not be silent to me lest if you are silent to me I will be like those who go down to the pit Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry to you and when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. When David prays, when David, when Daniel prays, when he is uh, uh, away from Israel, it says that he opens up his windows and he prays towards Jerusalem and he lifts up his hands. The Jews always wanted to pray in the direction of the sanctuary, whatever that was, the tent or the tabernacle or the temple. 
And listen, what do we do when we lift up our hands? What is this a universal sign of? Surrender. I give up. So what is David saying? <laughs> Lord, I give it all to you. I don't want my hands on it. I'm taking that wheel and pedal out of the car. <laughs> I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. I surrender to you and to you alone. He says, do not take me away with the wicked and the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors but evil in their hearts. I didn't know that David knew people from Washington, D.C. <laughs> they speak peace to their neighbors but evil in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds. By the way, this is Old Testament. You all know that, right? You can't say that. How many of you would like it if God gave you according to your deeds? It's the grace of God now. So, and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hand and render to them what they deserve. God will work it out, guys. We don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> He'll take care of it. He says, because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, and he shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices with my song, and I will praise him. We rejoice when God does a work in our life, amen? It's real easy to praise him when he answers our prayer. You know what I'm about to say. Can we praise him through the storm? Lord, thank you for bringing me through the storm. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in the middle of the storm. Thank you, Lord, that you, you're there. He's in the boat. Just because he's sleeping doesn't mean he's not God. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise him. The Lord is their strength and he is their saving refuge of his anointed and just so David rounds up the rest of the people of Israel, he said, save your people and bless your inheritance, be in Israel, shepherd them and bear them up forever. Psalm 29. Now listen to David here. David, in this psalm, ascribes glory to the Lord in multiple different ways, and it's beautiful. A psalm of David, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness, his set-apartness, that he is not man, that he is God. That's my paraphrase. And the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God, of, the God of glory thunders, and the Lord is over many waters. 
And the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. And he makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Siron, like the young wild ox. And the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. And the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says, Glory. For the Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. And the Lord will give strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. The power of God, David declares. Remember, David often, as a young boy, would sit out uh, as a shepherd and look into the heavens, and he would declare the wonderful creation of God. It's wonderful to have those times of silent. Again, I mentioned that twice now, those times of quiet. I really thank the Lord that I come in on Sunday morning at 5 in the morning. I love it. I love looking. I, I, you would think that by now I would be like, eh, I've seen it before. I've seen the stars. I've seen Mars before. I've seen whatever. Every time I walk out, I, oh, I just stare if it's clear. And then just in wonder of what God has done. And then how small we are. And then that we get to even have a part in the kingdom. Hallelujah. That he even lets us play. How many of you never got picked? Sad. But the Lord looks at you, every person in the body, and says, I can use them for the kingdom. Everybody has a plan and a purpose. Just got to get off the bench. When he calls your name, you look at the roster. Everybody's there but me, coach. He goes, nope, I've got something for you too. Give, verse 2, unto the Lord the glory due his what? His name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. But notice what he says, worship the Lord. Just worship him. We need to have the heart of a worshiper. And I think that this is where David shines in his life as a believer, is that his heart was a heart of worshiper. Again, not perfect. <laughs> Made lots of mistakes. Bad dad, Right? Obviously, an adulterer, a murderer. David had a rap sheet. I mean, how many of God's people have rap sheets? A lot of them. And that's where the Bible is so unique. It brings the failures of men. It doesn't cover over them. It says, these are the failures of men. But look how God used those failures. Again, I'm a firm believer in this country that we have lost the idea of failure. And teaching failure to kids is so important. That's how they learn. Not by a participation trophy. That doesn't help anybody. 
Those kids need to know that in this world, when it gets to, my wife and I were talking about this, and nothing against millennials right now, so you millennials calm down what I'm about to say. But think about all the stuff that they are programmed to hear that they're special and, you know, no one fails. Everybody gets the same grade. Everybody, And then they get into the real world, Andrew, right, at your job site, and you have to tell this kid, hey, you're fired because you don't know what you're doing and you're going to cost people lives. And what do they do? They don't know how to react to that. They don't know how to react to failure. And then they blame the man. So you're the man tonight. And the system, the system must be wrong. No, you're just dumb. And you weren't taught properly. I don't blame the kid. I blame the system and I blame parents. Thank you, amen. Being a parent, I want my kids to fail so they can learn to do it right. Failure is important. David knew what it was like to fail and he turned that around and he, verse 2, worshipped the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. And again, his holiness is set-apartness. And so the Lord is over the many waters. The Lord glories, um, I'm sorry, the God of glory thunders, and the God is over many waters. Now, you could say many waters as the nations, as we learned in Revelation, right? So the Lord is over the world, over all the nations. The voice of the Lord is powerful, the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Can, can anybody just for a minute, we are about to hear. Yes, Jesus, well done, good and faithful sir. I talk about that all the time. Yes? We are about to hear the Father's name. The Father's name is so powerful that in the nation of Israel, all two million people said, uh, Moses, we don't want to ever hear the name of the, uh, hear the Father's name. Uh, speak ever again from now on you talk to him and then you talk to us what he wants they could not it was so powerful in their life there are so many things about heaven that are going to be great in the new heaven and the new earth which we're going to learn in a couple of weeks but just to hear the father and what will that be like the God of glory thunders, and the Lord is over the many waters, and the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. This was the most powerful tree of their day. And the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. And he makes also skip like a calf in Lebanon and Siron like the young wild ox. And the Lord, I'm sorry, and the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness, and the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Don't you love that? Can you see the power of God in the universe, and then he cares about a deer? Jesus says, the Father knows if a sparrow falls, he takes care of them, he feeds them. He takes care of the lilies of the field. How much more you, Jesus said. Does God take care of you and clothe you? The Lord, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says, glory. And the Lord sat 
enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. And the Lord will give strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. You know what I love about what's coming up is just peace. Peace in so many different ways. Obviously, peace from this world and hostility and sinful men and the devil and all of that. Amen? But peace means there is a secession of hostility. That's a fancy term, right? So we are at war with God because we're sinful human beings. And as soon as we accept Christ, we now have the peace of God that passes all understanding. So war with God has ceased. What will it be like to just be at peace with God in heaven, having ribs? We learned about that at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He says, oh, where am I? We're on a new psalm. Psalm 30. I was like, uh, that doesn't look familiar. Uh, <laughs> Psalm 30. And you know this one very well. David, it says right in the title, a song at the dedication of the house of David. He said, I will extol you, Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. Again, 20-some-plus years, 25 years, David's on the run. He finally is anointed as king of Israel. He comes into Israel. He first builds himself a house, right? Because God said, you can't build me a house because you have blood on your hands. I'm going to let your son do that. So David builds his own house, and he rejoices that, listen, he just made it through the wilderness. Sometimes it's good just as you're driving home. Lord, thank you, I survived work. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, I survived taking my kids and watching them play soccer. I used to do that. Sit out there in that hot sun, in my little umbrella, doing nothing. And the kids are all, thank you, Lord, that I survived that again. Whatever it is, Lord, thank you that you have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, verse 2, my God, I cry out to you and you have healed me. Let me read it and then we'll come back. O Lord, you have brought my soul up from the grave and you have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, all you saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Oh, a little cocky there, David. The Lord will deal with that. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong and you hid your face. And I was troubled. And I cried out to you, O Lord, and the Lord I made my and to the Lord I made my supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare the truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Be my helper. And you have turned me turned me turn, no, let me do the You have turned for me my mourning into dancing, 
and you have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. David is a little Pentecostal. Uh, and to the end, my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God, and I will give you thanks forever. So let's look at this. O Lord my God, verse 2, I cried to you and you healed me. Whatever it is, if it's spiritual, if it's physical, and you've cried out to the Lord, heal me. Listen, he has healed everyone in the room of something. Right? Because the last thing you die from is the thing that got you sick and God didn't heal you from. That's just it. He has healed us all physically, but also spiritually. Because we are dead inside. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are just dead men walking. And so you've healed me. And Lord, you have brought my soul up from the grave and you have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. How many of you are in the position of David? And listen, everybody has a different testimony. Some of you have that testimony where literally you were going to die. I mean, physically die if God did not intercede on your behalf. Amen. Then there are those who were raised in the church and had no real testimony, and you're like, I mean, I, I mean, once a page of my Bible stuck together and it ripped. <laughs> Didn't know what to do. And oftentimes we can think, man, I don't have a great testimony. Do you know that that's how I lived for a long time? I was raised basically in Calvary Chapel. I had it so good as a um, teenager. My youth pastor, Jay McCarroll, is the guy who wrote the book and the movie Be, uh, Before the Wrath, the Galilean wedding that I described on Sunday. I was blessed to live in a time where our youth group would go to Costa Mesa and as a kid, I would watch Pastor Chuck picking up litter on the ground and sit and be there. And then I decided to be really dumb in my 20s and get that testimony I've always wanted. And you know what God did through that time? It's kind of funny. How many of you have been where I have been? Where he didn't let you sin successfully. It wasn't fun. I worked in a bar. I was a DJ, worked in a bar. I worked in the entertainment industry most of my life as an adult. And uh, specifically at the latter portion when God was pulling me back in, <laughs> and he basically had to drag me in. But God would bring the weirdest people around my, my life. Let me tell you, I was working one night, and there was this new bartender. This is what God does. He won't let you sin successfully. And for whatever reason, God was trying to get that guy's attention and my attention. And I hesitate to tell you so much of my before life because then you won't like me as much. But also my kids hear it, and that's not good. But when you're done at a bar like that, especially a nightclub, um, you're all jacked up, right? You've, it's 2 in the morning, and usually we would go to the only thing that was open at the time, it was Denny's. And we would go there, and most of the staff was there. And so we're sitting there, we're eating our breakfast, 
And I don't know what happened, but we started to talk about the Lord. And here at 2, 3 in the morning is a bartender and a DJ who are prodigals. And we're talking about end times. And I got home. I'll have to ask my brother. He's in the radio station. I'm not sure if I called him at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning. Because my brother would call me every week to invite me back to church. Used to bug me. Stop calling me. And I told him what had happened that night. Now, it wasn't immediate. God was doing a work, and it took a little bit longer, but eventually he got the prodigal back. You see, verse 3, when I read verse 3, after that nice little time in Calvary Chapel and being a good kid and youth group and Pastor Chuck and Costa Mesa and all this, and knowing all this end time stuff, and then doing what I did in my 20s. I read it and I say, Lord, you brought my soul from the grave and you have kept me alive. Do you know how many times I drove drunk home? I worked in a city. I lived in Napa, across the hill, Sonoma County. It's about a 45, 50-minute drive over hills and like this. My poor mother's watching. <laughs> Pretty, and I learned this from a cop, by the way, later on. Do you know the statistic is, is you will drive drunk 200 times before you're caught? That's a frightening number frightening to me what's on the roads now now that I'm right sober after so many years but I mean I look at this verse and I say Lord you kept me alive I drove home drunk every night I worked I actually hit a deer one night coming home it was so bad (laughs) I'm thankful that the deer didn't go through the what windshield Came up over the hill, adjusting my CD, CD players in the car, right? Came up over the hill, boom, hit him straight. It dented my front end like you wouldn't believe. But so thankful it did not come through the windshield and kill me. Guys, you look at verse 3. Thank you, Lord, that I am not dead. That you kept me alive. And that I did not go down to the pit. Listen, that I did not walk into eternity into hell. Thank you, Lord. How many of us are in that position? You're listening to the radio right now. You're in that spot. God can pull you out of the pit right now. You just got to let him. So when Paul says, sing praise to the Lord, you, you saints of his... If you have gone through a life like verse 3, you, you, you absolutely, all I want to do, and when I came back to the church, all I wanted to do was serve him. I didn't care what I was doing. I just want to, I just want to serve the Lord. And from that moment on to today, it hasn't stopped. 
I just serve the Lord in whatever capacity it is. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. Listen to the contrast here between what David says. He says, anger and moment, favor and life, weeping and joy, night and morning. Do you see that? Anger for a moment. (laughs) Maybe the deer was him angry at me. I don't know. But I know it was for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Can you attest to the morning and how beautiful it can be sometimes? Whatever night you've had, and you wake up, and I, I, I can't even describe it. It's overwhelming. Lord, thank you, I, I'm breathing. And we want to give you praise. That's why I like coming to church. Not because it's my job, it is. <laughs> Oh, sure, you have to be here. But I actually like you people. All right, most of you. (laughs) Again, we're going to be with each other for eternity. Why not like each other now? Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His. We just need to give praise to God for what He has done. Verse 6. Now listen to David here. A little cocky here. In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. It's like, well, I'm doing pretty good. The Lord's been blessing me. What could go wrong? Wrong thing to say. And don't say this because the Lord deals with David here. <laughs> Listen, you be humble in the sight of the Lord. Then he will, what, lift you up. He says, Lord... By your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. But notice, but you hid your face, and I was troubled. Why? Well, because of what he just said. Self-confidence. Peter had that. Lord, I know you got these other guys around you. They're the B apostles. I'm an A apostle. But I'm never going to, like, deny you or anything. Oh, really, Pete? Peter had self-confidence. Too much of it, and it was misplaced. Self-confidence is good unless it's misplaced. And then what happens? We get to the garden. They're falling asleep. They wake up, and Peter lops off somebody's ear. Self-confidence in that way, overconfidence, all it leads to is Jesus putting ears back on people. He says, I cried out to you, O Lord. And to the Lord I made my supplication. What I love about David is that he knows when he's getting rebuked by God. He knows when God's favor has been pulled. He can feel that. He can sense when God has pulled his hand away in fellowship with David. And David says, huh, whoa, uh, Lord, uh, I need that brought back. Listen, what profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Lord, if I'm going to like self-implode, who's going to praise you then? He says, will the dust praise you? Will they declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord my helper. And you have turned me 
turn my mourning into dancing. Oh, I love David's heart. David loved to worship and to sing before the Lord. And you have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. And to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. David knew what it was like to be a worshiper of God. He knew what it was like to be a failure, but then he also knew that he could cry out to the Lord and he could restore that fellowship. Well, read ahead over the next couple of chapters for next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for your servant David and all of his failures, Lord, and all of the times in which he repented how he was a great worshiper of you. Thank you, Lord, for our night. And I pray for this message for those who are hurting, who may not be hearing you right now. Lord, that you would come alongside of them and heal them. Heal those, Lord, physically in our church with so many different illnesses today. Some have COVID. Some have the flu. And so, Lord, that you would just be with them in this time. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ once again. In Jesus' name, amen.